Now, was that on your Walkman? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> no. No. Now, along with being a featured writer at American Songwriter Magazine that everyone should check out, uh, Jim Baviglia is the author of the Counting Down series about the 100 finest songs. So he's got Counting Down Bob Dylan, Counting Down Nancy, Your Dude, Bruce Springsteen. Well, there you go. Okay, counting down the Rolling Stones and counting down the Beatles. Like, he did the four greats. Like, in, mm-hmm. well, yeah, I want him to do more. <laughs> I've got more. i got a list from him. Uh, all were published by Roman and Littlefield, and his new book is out, and he's joining us here on Big Blend Radio today on our Champagne Sunday show uh, to talk about his latest book. And I'm telling you, it's a total geek out for all of us who are into the 80s. And some of the songs I didn't realize were in the 80s. Like, it's the coolest thing. It's called Playing Back the 80s, a decade of unstoppable hits. And he goes behind the scenes to explore the making of over 60 of the decade's greatest hits. And, again, published by Rowan and Littlefield. Of course, again, Amazon, all those places, Goodreads, Barnes & Noble. Uh, but also go check out his uh, website, his blog. Jim's blog is countdownkid.wordpress.com. It's super cool. And he's also on Twitter. And welcome, Jim. How are you? Oh, I'm fantastic. Thanks so much for having me today. Hey, we're excited about this. Okay, so <laughs> I've got to tell you, so Nancy and I are oh here, boy. like, we geeked I out. I going to tell. We geeked out on, on, you know, all the songs, and I've been geeking out on the book, and I do geek out on this kind of stuff. I'm, I'm like, a nerd about it, but not like a total nerd. Like, I, like you, you, you win that case, okay? No, no, Jim's got it on this, this for sure. Um, but Nikki Chris is our co-host today, our special guest co-host, mm-hmm. singer-songwriter. She's got a new album out called Heartbeat. And she geeks out on the '80s too, so we're going to have a, like a true geek out. So you should tell <laughs> I'm, I'm, what uh, well, we did. I mean, I think I think I might out geek you all because I mean I've been obsessed about this music really since I heard it, and uh, it hasn't really ever left my life since then. And I'm just uh, I'm so glad that I, I had the chance to write about it and to talk to all these great artists. Oh, I know. And, dude, you just interviewed Mark Knopfler, okay? Like seriously, can I just say <laughs> that I'm completely jealous? <laughs> Like really? That, that that was a get. Yeah, we we had to we went back and forth. Uh, you know, because he's not the you know he's not a guy who likes to sing his own praises a lot. But he had a new album out and wanted to promote it, so that was really cool for me too. Because uh, he's he's one of my kind of musical idols. Oh man, uh, he cool. is. Well, growing mm-hmm. up in the eighties, like you know, it's that's what was so interesting about going through your book is like I always thought this I. I, it balanced out some things for me, like between what was in the, really in the 70s and what was early 90s. So there was some it's confusing because we yeah. were in another part of the world. We, yeah, during the 80s, I grew up in Kenya, England, and South Africa in the 80s for those those three okay. countries in, in one decade. Okay. Yeah, things hit there later. So the music, well, it was different. Sometimes. The music was different because you got the British distribution, right? More mm-hmm. than the. Mm-hmm. You know, so the American distribution, but it was a fun era for sure. Um, Nancy and I sat down the other night. <laughs> this is crazy. We got ourselves a nice bottle of wine or two, <laughs> honest. Yeah. And we decided we're going to go through all 60 plus songs in your book. Yep. And we oh. did a list on, on my personal <laughs> Facebook page. Nikki, you saw that was a partial <laughs> list. I had to post other ones to groups so people didn't think I was completely nuts. And we went through all these songs because some we knew we just wanted to, re, you know, go back to. And some I didn't really know the names. And I'm like, well, I don't know what that is. And as soon as you play it, you're like, oh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> but every, every, I want to do a champagne toast to YouTube because it's so cool to be able to, we always like to see live uh, videos. 
Um, and mm. it's so cool to see concerts that you, you know, didn't get a chance to see as a kid. Um, but every song had a video, or at least like an MTV kind of video, um, <laughs> except for Bob Seger. And so, of course, I got running to your book, and I found out Bob Seger, like that song, uh, really didn't, didn't really have a video like everybody else's uh, when we were playing that. And I had never actually, and I love Bob Seger, but I had never heard this song. You know which one I'm talking about? Oh, Shame, shame on the Moon. Shame yes, on the Moon. I do. Yeah, amazing that it did do as well as it did because not only didn't it have a video, but it's not your typical, it's not up-tempo. It doesn't really grab you with a big hook or anything like that. And this cool kind of, you know, weird little song made it all the way to number two on the charts. As I recall, when I wrote it, I think it kept kept off by Michael Jackson. So you could imagine how different these, these songs were kind of competing in the charts. Wow. And mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I talked to uh, Rodney Crawl for the book, who, uh, who was a famous, uh, you know, songwriter, a performer in his own right. And he had written this song and performed it on his own, didn't think too much of it. And then Bob Seger had heard it and took it and did his own version, and it becomes this incredible hit. So that was one of the more surprising, I think, hit songs in the book and in, in, the, in the whole decade. Mm. And, okay, like it. how did you even narrow down to 16? Why oh. 60? How did you do that? <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, when I started the project, I, I originally thought, well, I didn't know how many interviews I was going to get. So I originally thought, well, you know, whatever I can get, I'll include those, and then I'll just write about the rest of them. And then when I started, you know, sending out invitations to talk to these people, the response really surprised me at how many people were willing to talk and wanted to talk about these songs. And so at some point I realized, well, you know, why not just only include the songs where I could get fresh interviews, where where I could talk to these mm. people instead of just me going. I mean, I, it could have been that. It could have been just me going on talking about these songs. I guess that would have been okay, but I'm really pleased with the way it turned out. And so at some point I said, okay, once I get enough of those interviews to, to make up a full-length book, then that's, that's what we're going to go with. So it was me just making lists of songs that I really liked. That was the criteria. It had to be something, you know, there were hits from that decade where, you know, maybe they were hits, but they haven't stood the test of time well. I feel like all these songs did stand the test of time pretty well. There are songs that I like then. There are songs that I like now. And so that's that's kind of kind of how I came about it. And, again, just overwhelmed by the response that I got from these artists that, that, that I loved and, and still do to this day. You know, it's, it's interesting because you also got, like, you know, the, the session players. And I know, Nancy, on, mm-hmm. on our shows, we've interviewed a number of People that you just go like, wow, I, you know, when you start looking at what their, what's in their resume, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, you've played on half of these kind of songs, you know. Um, <laughs> I remember one of the most iconic ones for me, and people don't recognize him so much, is Howard Tate. He wrote, Get mm-hmm. It While You Can, for, and Janis mm-hmm. Joplin covered it. And I remember getting him on the show, and it was really difficult because yeah, he, didn't, mm-hmm. he didn't understand, like, and it was mm-hmm. going through this friend of his in... Wake Forest, is it Wake Forest, Nikki, in, yep. in um, yeah, Wake, Wake Forest? Forest. Yep. And he's like, you've got to interview Howard Tate. I'm like, well, who's Howard Tate? And I was like, oh, my God. Then I saw the original. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> and then it wasn't like two, three months later he passed away. Wasn't and he, he, was living on the, he was living on the streets. Yeah. Um, and then he mm. became a preacher. He, he, you know, 
that's if this mm-hmm. you know these stories but there's these iconic songs and it's like what happened to him you know like peter green and mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. right it's right right these yeah stories. and you know that was the thing yeah that was kind of the approach i took because there were so many great songs that obviously i couldn't talk to the artist you know whether mm-hmm. they passed away or just John couldn't Lennon. get in touch with them but i didn't yeah. want to i didn't want to disqualify those songs you know and, and I, I felt like a lot of times those sort of tangential characters who weren't you know the, the main performer they gave me some of the best stories in the book because they kind of didn't have a dog in the fight. You know, there was no reason yeah. to, to defend the material or anything like that. They just kind of told it like it was. And, you know, some, some of the best songs of the eighties, you know, that I was able to include like, just like starting over by John Lennon or Billy oh. Jean by Michael Jackson, because I was able to talk to these people who were involved in it. So I was really grateful to have had the opportunity because like you said, a lot of those people have such wonderful stories to tell. I know it's so cool. Now, okay, mm-hmm. so let's let's talk about Kim Carnes because Betty Davis eyes mm-hmm. has got to be one of the <laughs> most iconic. We were talking about this with Nikki at the top of the show. Nikki, when when you look, I mean, she really. I thought she changed the world for women in in mm-hmm. the way she sang. Did you, did you think that Nikki is a singer? Yeah, I do. I mean, because you know, the '80s. If you look, and I even remember in the '80s, a lot of the, even the stuff that I listened to, there wasn't a lot of female artists at that time it was mm-hmm. you know i mean i remember 80s hair bands a lot of you know male artists and if you really go back and and look at things you know okay you had madonna but mm. you know besides you know maybe laura Branigan too because i think she was 80s as well oh i remember her yeah yeah mm-hmm. but yeah. Mo- and cindy lopper but mostly everybody you know if i go and, and look at a list of like top 80s songs it's it's a lot of men um you know, so, but Kim Carnes, yeah, I mean, she was one, I, I called it in the beginning of the show, I said, Betty Dave size. I know. <laughs> you know that was just literally almost like the first thing out of my mouth, because that was one of the, the songs, you know, that was key in that yeah. era. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tell us about yeah, that. Yeah, and she, yeah, well, you know, first of all, Kim Carnes, she was such a wonderful person to talk to, just so friendly. And the what people don't know about that song is it is a cover. Now, Kim Carnes mm-hmm. did not write that song. Uh, it was written by Jackie DeShannon, who was a big hit maker in right. the 60s. You know, put yeah, a little yeah. love in your heart. I only want to be yeah, with you. Yeah, yeah, and she wrote, oh. yeah. And she wrote the song in the 70s, about 1973 or so. And she did a version of it. And if you heard that version and heard Kim Carnes' version, you probably wouldn't think they were the same song. Uh, Jackie DeShannon's version was kind of jaunty, had like a saloon-style piano going through it, very kind of old-fashioned feel. And whatever it was Kim Carnes heard in this song, the nucleus of something that could sound modern and sound fresh. And so she took it to her band, and they kind of came up, you know, they came up with that white noise drum sound, and they came up with this cool synthesizer riff, and all of a sudden transforms this song you know, in the Jackie DeShannon version, it kind, kind of sounds humble. And then Kim Carnes sings it, and it's such a sexy, sultry song. Mm-hmm. And she just absolutely hurt. I don't know how she did, because like I said, you, you can go look up this other song, and you, you, won't, you won't recognize it, basically. But she heard, you know, the potential in it and made it into this thing. You know, I argue in the book that you could argue that either Betty Davis eyes or Rick Springfield's Jesse's Girl, which I also talk about in the book, mm. they kind of started the 80s music. You know, there were songs yeah. in 1980 that were cool and everything, but, but the 80s sound, I think it started with those two songs, the, the, these huge number one hits. So Kim Carnes was just such an important person, really, in the 80s, just influential and such a unique, great voice. 
and uh, yeah, she she was wonderful to talk to. And that that song, I mean, that's one of those songs you hear today, and it still sounds modern, it still sounds fresh. Exactly. I know Nancy and I watched it, and, and we've watched. I mean, watched her perform it over and over and over again, because she just mm-hmm. she she's got she's got that sultry mm-hmm. look, but also don't mess with mm-hmm. me. And Nancy yeah. goes, mm-hmm. look, she's got David Bowie moves, yeah. and she does. Uh-huh. She, uh, yeah. she has this kind of like thing with her shoulders when she like turns her back to you and she does a little, eh, and then she comes back. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh uh, yeah. There's uh-huh. like a little Bowie yeah. like. Um, emphasis on one side of the body in a yeah, way. Yeah, in other like words. A, this is me and that's what I got yeah, to say about that. I'm going to be sultry, but I'm still going to kick butt. Like, I'm still like a rocker. Like, there's this, uh-huh. she just rides this line, which is so cool, you know. The one song mm-hmm. I have to bring this up, the mm-hmm. Pina Colada song. Oh, my God. <laughs> Seriously? Escape. Who knew? Uh, <laughs> I right? I know. Such a great story, Rupert Holmes. I mean, he was one. He, I actually did the interview with Rupert via email, and he was kind of writing his memoirs. So I, I gave him these questions, and oh, he wow. sent me back about 20, 25 pages worth of material. And so I was like, "Wow, you know, what do I do with all this?" And so I kind of poured through it, and uh, you know, he 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 had such amazing insight about this song, and and yeah, that was interesting because it was, I believe, it was the last number one song of the '70s, and then crossed over to be a number one song in the '80s as well. Uh, so I felt like I had to include that song. Uh, just a great storyteller song, and of course the twist ending at the end, where you find out that these two were pr- placing personal ads, and that they were both. You know, they were in the relationship and they were looking for other people and they end up meeting each other, of course, kind of a neat twist. And, you know, he talked about how, you know, I asked him, I said, is that, you know, is that a happy ending or is it? And he said, no, there's not really any happy endings in that song, but but hopefully they could come to an understanding uh, and, you know, moving forward. So such a cool story and and, and a great song that, that kind of came off the cuff. He kind of wrote it all in one sitting, as a lot of these mm-hmm. songs uh, turned out to be. Some of the songs are so touching. I mean, you you do like, oh my gosh, Miami Vice theme. That's important because Miami Vice was so crucial <laughs> in regards to music on TV. You know, I I, they, I, can't, I mean, I can't tell you how much I loved that show as a kid. I mean, it was just, <laughs> you know, there 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 are certain songs that I will still hear today that I can tell you the scene in Miami Vice wow. which they were kind of in. You know, like that's how I kind of identify those songs. So to talk to Jan Hammer, who did the Miami Vice theme, and he was great. And he talked about how, you know, he, he, he was kind of, he met Michael Mann, who, you know, is now a famous director, and he was the creator of, of Miami Vice. And, and Michael Mann kind of told him what he was doing, what this show was going to be, that he was going to have these kind of cops, and they were vice cops, and this and that. He wanted music to be a big element. And Jan Hammer had already been working on these kind of pieces of music, and he played him the piece of music that was the Miami Vice theme. And Michael Mann heard it. He said, okay, something like that. Work on something like that. And so Michael Mann went back and tried all these different pieces of music, and none of them worked. And they eventually said, let's go back to that first piece that you played me originally. And that was that was the Miami Vice theme. So a little bit of luck there. And uh, turns out, you know, an instrumental that was one of the biggest hits of the decade. Seriously. And every the white jacket, the white pants. No, no. See, yeah. That, see, what do you think about it's a, the 80s? It's, it's a Pat Boone look. Oh, stop it. <laughs> Just stop it. Don't say that again. I, 
I still wear Ray-Ban Wayfarers to this day because of Sonny Crockett. So, I mean, that's, oh that's, that's, I'll tell you that oh, right now. <laughs> no, remember parachute pants? I don't know if you call them yeah. parachute oh, yeah. pants here. Oh, they, you I do. do. I like parachute pants, but, you know, mm. then some guys I was dating, I was like, ooh, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> they were better in theory than they were in practice perhaps <laughs> it was weird because like the clothing you know all the different colors and spirals and checkers mm-hmm. and whatever was mm-hmm. you know on your shirts and stuff it was kind of like the mm-hmm. hippies went like Crazy. hippie went neon like it's so interesting how we change and the big hair the, the, the uh-huh. to hit the big hair you know right but, um Right. Yeah, that, there was a whole culture which is all connected to mm-hmm. the music and movies. Movies, there's something about 80s movies that mm-hmm. it just you can't redo it. It there's just I think they were it was like the most magical time in movie history was the 80s in St. Elmo's Fire, you cover that. You've got Eye of mm-hmm. the Tiger. I remember my mm-hmm. friend, you know, I was talking about my friend Robbie Nikki on on your segment earlier. I remember him and some other friends going to the movies and watching Rambo and that's it man we ran up that hill like we ran (laughs) there's that music and I don't know was it don't you think Jim at that time like the music in the movies just it changed everything at that point I know that's always but there was something different yeah I I do think so. I think music soundtracks were a big part of that decade. You know, we you mentioned we talk about Eye of the Tiger in the book. Um, you know, one one of the best stories you know that comes out of the book is If You Leave from the Pretty yes. in Pink soundtrack, which an amazing story because you know, uh, and if people read the book, they can check this out. I talked to Andy McCluskey, who is the lead singer mm. and songwriter of Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark, OMD yeah, yeah. for short, and um, you know, so they were hired by John Hughes, the famous John Hughes, 16 Candles, you know, all these huge movies in the 80s to write the theme song for Pretty in Pink, this song that was going to play at the end of the movie and, you know, be the prom song and so on and so forth. And the original plot of the movie had Molly Ringwald's character ending up with her best friend, John Cryer's character, Ducky, in the movie, not Andrew McCarthy. And so OMD writes a song based on this. It was a song called Goddess of Love. And they, they eventually included it on one of their albums. It's a good song. And so they had it all done. And they think, oh, great, we're going to be in this movie. And then John Hughes comes to them and says, well, look, we tested the movie, and nobody liked that ending. Nobody thought that she should end up with John Cryer. So now she's going to end up with Andrew McCarthy. So you have to write a whole new song. And they had about two days to do this. And so under all this pressure, he goes with his, with his band and they sit down and they put these chords together and they come up with this thing and they come up with If You Leave, which turns out to be, you know, it's still like the prom song to this day. Mm-hmm. And they did it under all this pressure, you know, to, on, by the seat of their pants, uh, you know, just an amazing performance under those circumstances. Mm-hmm. And, and it's still a song, you know, it still gets me every time I listen to it today. Oh, well, man. sometimes I, those are like the best mm-hmm. songs, though. I mean, cause, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I, I find I find that the ones that I write that happen within like the you know the day or the fifteen minutes or the thirty minutes are, mm-hmm. are the ones that you know everybody remembers rather than the ones mm-hmm. that you spent 
weeks or years finished. Crying right. and bleeding yes. over. <laughs> there's, there's, it's an overthinking mm-hmm. thing. Because I know when yes. I paint right. the picture, the ones that I just get her down, paint it, mm-hmm. and don't second guess, are the ones mm-hmm. that, that sold as opposed to the ones that, oh, i got to do it this way and I really studied You're thinking. this and that. Yeah, you yeah. overthink. Mm-hmm. And I think when you overthink, then you lose a little bit of that emotional wave that you mm-hmm. want to create. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I, so many of the songs so many of the songs in this book, like Nikki said, they were just you know kind of written in the heat of the moment, not thought about. Not only mm-hmm. that, but they were also songs where the artist's, didn't think much of their commercial potential. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like they, they didn't hear what everybody else heard in these songs. Funny. And mm-hmm. so, so that was another thing. I don't know how many artists, you know, I asked, I said, did you think it was going to be a hit? And they all, you know, they, they would quote kind of the same line. Well, if we knew what was going to be a hit, we'd do it every time. You know what That's I mean? That's a new song, so if we knew. Yeah. You know? Right. <laughs> if we, yeah. I would have bought that house, <laughs> you know. <Yeah. laughs> if we knew. So, you know, yeah, the, so a lot of them were happy accidents and things like that. The look cracked me up about Roxette because I remember, you know, when we lived in South Africa, um, we, <laughs> we, had, we, had, we had just come off the road, Nancy and I traveling for two and a half, three years with her art and um, full time. And, and we stayed with some friends until we got our feet back on the ground and figured out what we were going to do. And they were all, it's a music family. And uh, one mm-hmm. now, Brendan mm-hmm. plays with Johnny Clegg. And I mean, they're, I mean, it turned out really cool with what they were doing in life. But we'd come home from school, and this house would be vibrating, man. It would be mm. like Queen was on, or, you know, it was like loud, and, and, you know, we're loud here. And then I couldn't believe when I heard Roxette, because these guys were like more jazz, blues, you know. Here mm. comes Roxette. And I was like, and they were playing quarters. Remember Marshall? Yeah. I'm mm-hmm. telling on them. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, you went from that to that, and then mm-hmm. Roxette, and, and it got into every under everyone's skin. Roxette did it. Mm-hmm. And I know Nikki was talking, you know, there wasn't that many women, but Roxette, that was an interesting thing with the male-female thing with them and, and how that song, The Look, came out. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, and they, you know, Go ahead, Go, Nikki, ahead. go ahead, no. <laughs> <laughs> go no, after it. you, please. No, I was just going to say, I mean, like, I, rem- I actually, you know, Roxette was one of the groups that I did listen to in the 80s because of Another movie song, the Pretty in Pink, the mm-hmm. song that was at the end of the movie. Um, what? Um, it must have been love. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. that's another mm-hmm. you know '80s movie song. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. About that, yeah. You know, so I mean, any as I was sitting here, listen, you know, listening and thinking, I'm like, I'm actually coming up with, I, I could smack my own head because I'm like going, oh my god, you know, my idol Pat Benatar was '80s. <laughs> You know, so I'm sitting here right. going, okay, how could I forget her? But I mean, you know, there, there is, uh, there's, yeah, the combination of the male-female thing, um, mm-hmm. you know, was interesting in that timeline too, because you would have bands like Fleetwood Mac that mm-hmm. would have, um, you know, that had a Drama. blend of male and female, but never, you know, there wasn't really a duo. Yeah, rock mm-hmm. was classic, different, yep. like, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, they they were, and they, you know, I talked to Per Gessel, who was the songwriter, and you know, that was an mm-hmm. interesting one because normally it was Marie Fredrickson, who was was the name of the uh, the uh, lead singer, and she was the one who usually took the lead on the vocals, and for the look, 
he was just kind of fooling around. You know, English was the second language, and that's why the the lyrics and the look, mm-hmm. if you kind of parse through them, they, they kind of sound kind of funny on the page, but they sound so great within the song, you know, like those, you know, hitting, hitting like a hammer, you know, she's a juvenile scam, you know. It's just, Never he's just kind of going off the top of his head, almost Dylan, almost Dylan-esque, really. And yeah, it yeah. just works so well in that song, and then the, the, the production is so dynamic. And then Marie Fredrickson comes on, and she kind of sings the chorus part, and it's just... You know, it was a song that it became, again, a kind of accidental hit in the United States. There was someone who knew the music, uh, you know, from Sweden. He requested it to a radio station. The radio station started playing it. Everybody loved it. It becomes a huge hit. And, you know, and they weren't they hadn't even really been broken free in the United States yet. So, again, an example of one of these kind of accidental hit singles that happened so often in the 80s. I'm going to do this list again. I'm going to rewatch it all. Because, and oh reading, reading this story is so cool. Everyone's story, and it's like, you know. It's it, the chart of the world by music. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I really love your books, and I'm so glad to know about what you do and who you are because mm-hmm. it's like, wow, you're an excellent writer. What got you started in the world of writing about music and songwriters? Because you get into the song. You, you're not just, oh, so-and-so mm-hmm. did this. You get into, like, the nitty-gritty of the song, which I love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it was something, you know, I, I started writing, I, you know, I have a different full-time job, but I was always in broadcasting and writing and things like that. So mm-hmm. it was something I started as a hobby, really, just kind of uh, writing for online magazines and things like that, never thinking anything would come of it. And, you know, little by little, it grew. And I just, you know, I, I've always approached it as a fan, uh, you know, it's, uh, because that's how I, I still listen to it. So when I talk to these people or when I write about them, you know, some people talk about like having journalistic distance and being objective. And I, I really can't do that. I'm passionate yeah. about it. You know, it really means a lot to me. And so I think that probably comes through in the writing a lot. And I've always been somebody who was really interested in learning about how songwriters did what they did, because it was something, mm-hmm. you know, I always wanted to be one, but I didn't have the talent for it. So, you know, like learning about these, you know, these, these singer songwriters or, or songwriters, performers, whatever the case may be, that was always something that intrigued me. And so it's something that I've always been drawn to when I write, you know, I, it's kind of like, I want to know how the sausage is made, you know what I mean? Like yeah. how, how they come up with these great lines, how, you know, and, the, you know, Nikki, who is a, a talented singer songwriter, she knows how to do this. I like to get in their heads and find out how that is, you know, and, and so that's, that's kind of what this book is about. And it's probably what I'll continue writing about in the future. Oh, please do. Because it's, you're, <laughs> and I like the way you write, because it's like, you know, Meeting the 80s, I'm back in my childhood, man, and I just remember, mm-hmm. you know, music parties. I mean, we used to have, like, just our own, like, you know, houses mm-hmm. would vibrate, seriously. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and it's, that's the thing, and I miss those days of crazy, you know. And then when you're reading and you can tell your passion for music, and to me when it's – I love what how you said, okay, I'm, I'm going to get these interviews, you know, whoever is connected to this song, I want to get that story because – Otherwise, it's like, let's be Wikipedia. You know, I mean, there's a difference Mm -hmm. in getting that connection. And I thought, you know, this is passion. This is so much fun. And you're you're reading, like, you feel like you're reading something, like you're connecting with your friends and you, you know, go listen to the song, watch it, Mm -hmm. whatever. Um, But there's a connection. And I think all of us music lovers that are like crazy, you know, especially the geekifies, you know, we get in there (laughs) and we want to read from someone who's 
sorry, I'm calling you a geek, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> that's no, I I won't disagree with you there, and I and I thank you, I thank you for saying all that. And the one, what that brings me to is, it's so important for me to thank the artists because without mm-hmm. the artists and their participation, and you know, and the producers and the instrumentalists, whoever I talk to, you know, this book wouldn't have been possible. It wouldn't have been what it was. You know, they they say never meet your heroes. That's the cliche, right? And yet every one of these people that I talked to, they were so forthcoming and so friendly and open and insightful. And, you know, it just blew me away, you know, to be able to talk to these people that I, that I was a huge fan of as a kid and still am, and to have them be so great. I mean, even if this book doesn't sell a single copy, you know, it would have been worthwhile for having had the chance to talk to them and yeah. learn about how they, how they created these amazing songs. So, so that's really, you know, I, I just kind of put it together. You know, it's really the artists who deserve the credit for, for the songs, obviously, and for, for how this book turned out. Isn't it isn't it funny when when you meet someone or you talk to somebody that you you know you've respected and idolized through their create mm-hmm. creative things that happen, and then you find out they're a person like right <laughs> right they just well, show that man. Yeah, I have to tell you, the very first interview I got, it was hilarious because what I did, I, I, I sent all these publicists, and again, not thinking, you know, I wasn't sure what kind of response I was going to get. I was thinking, oh, if I get five or ten people, that would be cool. Mm. And so I think the day after I sent my first batch of emails, I was sitting at home, and I, I, I got a phone call on my on my cell phone, and I didn't recognize the number. So I'm thinking immediately, you know, robocall. And so mm-hmm. I probably answered, hello, you know, kind of yeah. caustically thinking I'm about to hang up on this person. And, and the, the person on the other end of the line said, Jim? And I said, I said, yeah. And he said, this is Dennis DeYoung. And I, I of course, the lead singer of Sticks. So he, he had just kind of bypassed the whole, oh, rep, get in oh, touch no. with me, schedule the interview. He just called me directly. And we talked about Mr. Roboto for an hour. Yeah. And he was, oh, my God. he was hilarious. And he was, you know, so insightful about it. And he was self-deprecating. And, you know, like right off the bat, then, then once that happened, then I was like, oh, I'm, I'm going after this. You know, this was so great. I want more and more of this. I want to talk to more and more of these people. And so, you know, he was great. We eventually met afterwards. He invited me backstage to one of his shows. So that, that was oh, really cool. And that's, dude, some, that's something that's that happens awesome. to. Yeah, that's. It's something that happened too, you know. So, some of these artists, like I got swag from George Thorogood. I got like a bad to the bone oh, bandana. I mean, like the man, he is like oh, the he's dude. The best. He, I'm having he's groupie the envy. I know, I know, <laughs> I know. I'm Our like, band. you know, I grew up in the '80s. I mean, in a lot of a uh-huh. lot of the, the the songs, you know, inspired me. I mean, like I said, my mm-hmm. all time idol is Pat Benatar. Oh, so, and, you know, and mm-hmm. I've been told that I I sound like her and like Stevie Nicks. So yeah, I'm like you... sitting here like just listening. I'm like going, Oh, you're my new best friend. <laughs> <laughs> we used to cover, we used to cover a stick song. Yeah, Sweet Madam Blue. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep, we when oh, we had our band. Yeah, yeah, it was mm-hmm. really cool. And and our band, our drummer, that was the oh, song that the gosh. drummer oh, and our guitarist golly, had a fight on stage, and that oh. was the song that ended our band. It, oh, it my goodness. On stage, and no, I, it ended with the drummer coming down from the drum set, picking up two drumsticks, walking over to the guitarist and saying, I'm going to shove these up your nose. He nostrils. watched the commitment. Oh, he really did. That's where he got goodness. it from. He watched the commitment. All we could do is Lisa and I just kept playing. The audience was laughing. We were like, oh, this is great. Our bass player's on the knees down laughing because that's what he does. 
He, him and Nancy would look at each other. They're, they're both up. they're both Taurus, and they their eyes they both do eye rolls. We're like we could look and go, here comes shit. And Sorry, that, people, I had to say the word. And down she goes, down he goes, <laughs> and I'm standing there like trying to sing over everything. Oh and my I lost my voice and lost the band, and then you know that was the end of that, the end. That sounds like that sounds like the best behind the music episode ever. I like yeah, that. I want to see the behind the music on this. Oh, well, no, well, how about this? The drummer before turned out oh, to be, like, um, not allowed to be around anybody because he he was on crack. The rhythm guitarist, we found out later, was a rapist, yeah, and that, that was, was why he was oh, on parole. Oh, my goodness gracious. Oh, my goodness. I know. Trust me. And, you know, bands, bands sleep in the same hotel room. Hello. I didn't know. Dude. When when your musician is on parole, uh, be warned. And we uh, so yes. one day Lisa and I sit down. And we're like, it's band or, or it's the magazine. Which are we gonna choose? Yeah. And we went now between magazine. I know, but it's so much fun. And I, I'm like you, you know, Jim. To me, you know, all this new music too. It's so exciting to hear mm. new music and the independent mm-hmm. side. Do you, do you interview independent um, artists at all? I do. I do. I do. Awesome. Yeah, I do a little bit of everything. I talk to heritage artists mm-hmm. and I talk. In fact, that's one of the most exciting things for me. It's not just about going back. It's about when I hear somebody, you know, I, I, I still get excited as when I was a kid, you know, it's, it's different. Music is mm-hmm. very different now. You know, the, the one thing I talk about with the 80s in terms of the book is I, I think in the introduction I talk about, I felt like that was the last era Mm-hmm. where the best stuff was right in front of you. You didn't really mm-hmm. have to to look for it too hard for it. It was on the radio. It was on MTV, whatever the case mm-hmm. may be. I mean, there was there was some stuff under the radar, as always, but for the most part, it was right there. And then it started to splinter in the second half of the decade. And then you, you from that point, you kind of had to look for it, and that's the case today. You kind of have to look for it, but I mm-hmm. still, when I hear a, you know a great new band, a great new songwriter, um, I get so excited about it, and I want to tell people yeah. about it. And so, so yeah, I do that. I, I, I interview you know younger artists and independent artists and things like that. And so, so, so that's just as much a kick for me as talking to Mark Knopfler or talking to one of these awesome. '80s artists. You know, it's, yeah. it's a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. I mean, we it just you you we've run the gamut of of you know you know the big big dudes and then the independents that are to mm-hmm. me just as big in what they do. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. But Nancy's got yeah, a I, question I just here. have this idea sure. that um, the independent musicians should get together and have an independent music concert on 4th of July. It would be kick. Oh, there you uh, go. Yeah, go on, Nikki. Come on, <laughs> you're in charge, Nikki. Yeah. I am so having a jam in L.A. when I'm there for the Grammys. They could do yeah. it across the country. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we'll I, do something on the radio. The we'll do something. Yeah, I, I tell people all the time, I say, you know, there's still fantastic music out there. You just have to look harder for it. You know, that that's, that's the only difference. There's just as much good music now as there was 10 years ago, 20 Absolutely. years ago, 30 years. It's just that it's just you have to search for it. Know, and it's it's yeah. you know so it's it's a blessing and it's a curse for new artists because yes. you know they have the ability to get it out there but there's so much of it now and so for people oh. to find it it's more difficult but it's out there it it, it certainly is yeah okay. it's definitely yeah. a double edged sword i would definitely agree mm-hmm. because you know mm-hmm. like you said it's 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 easy to put stuff out um mm-hmm. but the the environment is saturated and then yeah. mm-hmm. you know you also you have, have to market to, you have right. to market mm-hmm. Yep, and then you also have to compete with, um, mm-hmm. you know, the the majors as well, which then becomes, right. you know, even more of a challenge. But, you know, you can do it. Just keep trying. 
Mm-hmm. You just do it, and yeah. that's what uh, with us with what we do, even on shows. I mean, I have to have you fill, fill out forms for us to air your music, you know, because yeah. there's mm-hmm. it's like this weird. I mean, everything's weird, but just keep going, just keep going. Yeah. As mm-hmm. we talked at the beginning of the show with Nikki, just keep doing. If you have a passion for it, look at Jim's. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got your book has got everyone. You know, the B52s. That's that that story. I don't want to tell any more of the stories because I want people to buy the book. Go get it. Playing back the 80s, uh-huh. a decade of unstoppable hits. Uh, Jim, uh, did I pronounce your name right, by the way? It's, I never it's tra- close, close. Bavilia. It's Bavilia. The oh, wow. You're, you're right on the money. You're right on the money. Bavilia. Oh, I like that. <laughs> yeah. I like it. Yes, I yes. Uh, okay. <laughs> Jim, Jim, what? I mean, you got, I just want to say you got Tom Petty in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got, you, you've mm-hmm. got Madness, Our House, in the middle of the street. And oh, boy. you uh-huh. me with science. <laughs> you got oh. Ed <laughs> You, come on. Can I tell you that she blind? I have to tell you that she blinded me with science story because that was a, that was a great one. I spoke to Thomas Dolby, and um, he was fantastic. A brilliant, brilliant man. I mean, he is he has gone on to you know success in like uh, to making like tech products and things like that, and still plays music. But he said. So the, the the voice that you hear over and over again, she blinded me with science. That's a, he was an actual uh, television personality in Great Britain who was also a scientist. His name was Dr. Magnus Pike. I guess he kind of be like Bill Nye is you know in the United wow. States. He was kind of that kind of person. And so he kind of he kind of hired him, Thomas Dolby, just like you would out of like central casting because he had this song. He knew this part. He wanted someone to to kind of sing this part. And so. So the, the, this Dr. Magnus Pike comes into the studio and he and he says, "Okay, here's what you have to say." And he kept saying it. He kept saying it. She blinded me with science as a as a question almost. And Thomas Dalby was had to tell me. He said, "Well, Dr. Pike, you know, he, he, you know, you kind of have to say it as a statement, as like an exclamation." And he said to Thomas Dalby, he said, "Well, he said as a noted." scientist it would be a bit surprising if the girl blinded me with science and so that's that's why he was saying it as a question he could he couldn't conceive of the fact that any that you know that it would be anything but surprise for someone to surprise him with science that's <laughs> funny i love I it like i it. love it jim uh, we're gonna play spontaneous are you ready oh no i'm i'm, I'm yeah. terrified but go ahead okay no. we're gonna play spontaneous <laughs> but before we do that what is your toast what are you happy about uh, you know, I'm 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 grateful for my family, my wife and my daughter Danielle. I'm grateful for Big Blend Magazine for having me on the show. It's a, it's a, it's been so much fun. And again, I'm grateful to the artists who who participated uh, in in my book because without them, uh, it wouldn't have been possible. Well, you can come on our show anytime. Well, wow, that was this a lot of right. fun. I, I, I know. I we're we're ordering another back. bottle of champagne. There's a <laughs> lot of bubbles <laughs> floating around in this room. Uh, but anyway. Uh, okay. Uh, are you <laughs> not those types. Okay. I'm just saying. <laughs> There's no okay. beans going around. Oh, see, I had to say that. Sorry. Oh, boy. Well, you can tell now I'm having champagne. Now, uh, Spontaneous, the song game, is uh, really um, an amazing, fun, fun, fun uh, game. It is um, it is a board game, an award-winning and best-selling board game created by Rob Ridgway, and uh, he sent us on a story mission, so we're going to be playing our Rex Allen segment in a little bit here, and Nikki dropped off the call here somehow. Nikki called back in. <laughs> I don't know where she went. She disappeared. She I know. I don't know what happened. Um, but anyways, the song game, uh, Spontaneous, it, it started with a friend of his. Oh, here she comes. 
Okay. Welcome back to the to the bubble land, Nikki. Nikki, you know, that was just like so weird. My line just like totally went dead. I have no I, idea why I did that. That's when I said there was bubbles around you and hello, and I thought you meant like the other kind of bubble, not the <laughs> champagne bubble. That's why I said what I said. I didn't realize you were going, hello, hello, one ringy dingy. <laughs> but anyway, now? anyway, so, spontaneous the song game, uh, it started, it was, it's spontaneous, right? It was someone who was singing a song, uh, saying a, a word said to me, let's go to the mountains, and then Rob sang a song over the word mountain. And that's how this board game, and he took out Monopoly. He's taken out everyone on Amazon he with this board it, game. Man. He's such a little entrepreneur, and he rocks. Yeah. Um, so we're going to play the radio version of Spontaneous. So everyone, you can check it out, songgame.com. I'm going to give each of you a word, and you have to give me five lyrics from a song. Okay? You don't have to be a singer. We've got Nikki here. She can take care of that. <laughs> and uh, that's how we go. So I'm gonna I'm going to have a clock. You have ten seconds to get it right. <laughs> and if you do not get it right, I'm gonna butt pan you because it's my favorite thing to do. Oh boy. So I'm gonna start with Nancy. So um, oh, why me? Because I know. You know, that's what how it works. Um so Nancy, your word is I. I E Y E. Like an eyeball. I. E Y E I. Yes. Oh, the brown eyed girl. Um, oh my god. My brown eyed girl. <laughs> uh oh. Um, uh, okay, I the tiger. I no no. No, no. no. Oh. Need. Five words. You get to be butt panned. You confuse me. Yeah, the brown okay. <laughs> brown she's my brown eyed girl. Sha la 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 that's all you needed to do. Okay, go ahead, butt but, pan me. I love butt panning my mother. And now a butt pan moment. <laughs> butt pan Butt pan Butt pan Butt pan Butt pan You're a butt pan. Up. Thank you so much, Nancy. I feel so much better. Oh, I love that. Nikki, are you ready? Sure. <laughs> You've done this before. I, just I know, and I stink, at this, I stink at this game. No, you're fine. You're fine. Okay. So your word is heart, like the doof, doof, doof organ in your body. Heart. Come on. That's like too easy. You okay, take it. Put the clock on. Oh, you're getting, let's see. Uh, it's not too easy. <laughs> We're not up in the You have a song, Heartbeat. You have I know I have a Heartbeat. song called Heartbeat, but I didn't want to sing my own song. I was no. trying to sing somebody else's song. Seriously, you're going to make me push the butt pan thing again? Yeah, Do you it. can push And the now, butt pan a butt pan moment. <laughs> butt pan! Butt pan! Butt pan! Butt pan! Butt pan! You're a butt pan! <laughs> see, that's what happens when you say it's easy. <laughs> I know, see? <laughs> I think okay. This, I think at this game. It's, Are you ready, Jim? I I um, am, and I I'm, I'm terrified. But go ahead. Oh no, you're <laughs> going to be just fine. Okay, so Jim, <laughs> no butt pain uh-huh. allowed. This, this, this okay. needs to stop. Um, so third time lucky here. 
So your word is breath. Breath? Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll keep it in the 80s with a, with a, with a song yes. that's in the book. Every breath you take, every, every, step, every breath you take, every move you make, I'll be watching you. Right awesome. on. You won. <laughs> Yay. Yay. And did you see Sting perform that with Bruce Springsteen? I, I did, I did, yeah, and like I said, it's in the book. I talked to Hugh Padgham, who was the producer, and told me how they almost it even didn't make that album because the band could not get along with each other. They were so at odds at the time that they, they, uh, they thought of not even doing the album. So, so yeah, wow. so not only did I, I win, but I tied it into the book, so I think I should get something extra for that. Um, okay, we'll send you a bottle of champagne, courtesy of a champagne sponsor it'll, called Bubble. It'll be empty, but we'll send you the bottle. <laughs> no, good stuff. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, Jim. It's been a true pleasure. Please uh, come back as you do more books, I, right? You have another one. You're and, in, you're... Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, more, I'm just in the starting process of another one. But, uh, yeah, I, I'll be glad to come on anytime. Thank you so much for having me, Nancy, Lisa, Nikki. Thank you so much. And everyone, again, if you haven't guessed, the book is about the 80s. <laughs> Rock Me mm, Amadeus. Yes. Okay, it's on there. Uh, <laughs> it's Jim Bavilia. Now I can't do it. Say, say your last name for me. I did that whole Bavilia. Uh, Bavilia. 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 Yes. Uh-huh. It's a place um, in, yes. in just off the coast of Italy. Yep. With condos. <laughs> with condos. Okay. Uh, everybody, it's playing back the 80s, a de- decade of unstoppable hits on Amazon, all those places. Uh, Barnes & Noble, mm-hmm. go get it. And also go to Jim's blog, countdownkid.wordpress.com. Thanks so much, and you have a good rest of your Sunday. You too. Thank you so much. Have a good one. Bye, Bye Jim. Bye-bye. Bye.